Blog Talk Radio. And now, where the paranormal meets the sacred, and all topics in between, live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show, with your host, Shaw McCain. Hi everybody, I'm your host, Shaw McCain. I'd like to welcome listeners to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show. My show is created to provide an open-minded platform that welcomes the gifted and extraordinary thinkers from every walk of life and circumstance. Please follow the Paranormal Sacred on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. We are translating to many different languages for our listeners outside of the country. Tonight, the call-in number is 619-924-9744, and the Paranormal Sacred uh, is is back on the air. We had a little bit of hiatus, and... uh, We're really happy to be back. And during the show, we can take questions in order and chat, and you may call in with your questions, 619-924-9744. And we ask that any buzzkillers in chat or on the phone be kicked off, and I have a copy of your number, so don't bug me, and I won't bug you, so be polite and play nice, because this is a live radio show, and uh, we have to do the interference there. And um, as we wait for our guests to call in, um, I would like to say that uh, for those of uh, the people that are in trouble and have uh, various stressors and depression and stress in their life, uh, the National Suicide Hotline uh, provides uh, free and confidential emotional support for people in suicidal crisis and emotional distress 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And since its session, the Lifeline has engaged in a variety of initiatives to improve crisis services and advanced suicide prevention. So their number over there is 1-800-273-8255, and we're keeping our prayers, you know, those that have been affected deeply um, by suicides. Uh, We've had a few friends, even in the paranormal world, that uh, have uh, had this issue, and we do ask that um, you keep everybody in your prayers, and uh, we appreciate it very much. And now let's see. Uh, our guest tonight is Lauren Lawrence. Liz Smith message, mentioned Lauren. Excuse me. Hold on one second. Little tiny glitch. Uh, Liz Smith mentioned Lauren in a New York social diary that a lot of dreams and nightmares have passed under the analytical bridge since Lauren Lawrence had her column in the New York Daily News. That in 2011, her TV show, Celebrity Nightmares Decoded, premiered on HBO, and she has had a reading uh, locally at the Shakespeare and Company store in a cafe in Manhattan. And uh, she's an all-around very interested person. She's an uh, author, model, uh, dreams analysis. She helps a lot of people. And Lawrence Lawrence is the Sunday dream columnist of the New York Daily News and author of several books. It has a new book called Side Effects published by the Shakespeare Company and available on Amazon. Side of Six is a book of poetry, a compilation of inspired moments that have triggered philosophical insights, and the poems were initially daydreams, stream of consciousness, and the free association they draw from the unconscious strivings and the creative center of the psyche. This book joins Lauren's other books that have <laughs> include Private Dreams of Public People. That's one of my favorite books, and I have it right on my table where everybody can see it, and with very interesting stories about Victoria Principal's dream visitation from Andy Gill, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's terrifying nightmare, and dozens more. What dreams reveal about Bill Clinton, John F. Kennedy, Elvis Presley, and many others. Lauren Lawrence has a dreams column in uh, the New York Daily News every Sunday, and she comes out with a very interesting uh, analysis of people that write into her column and about their dreams, and uh, it's uh, it's a really amazing the insight that she has. And uh, she has starred in many TV shows, uh, Celebrity Nightmare Decoded on the Biography Channel. She has there was an episode of season seven of The Real Housewives of New York, and uh, she had was also a former political dreams columnist of the George Magazine, an author of. Dream Keys and Dream Keys for Love, Dream Keys for the Future, which are very helpful books if you want to uh, get help for your relationships. And she appeared on numerous TV shows, and uh, she's profiled on Extra, 
and interviewed by Bill O'Reilly on The Factor, and she's appeared on Fox, Friends, Red Eye, CBS Early Show, on and on and on. And she has some very interesting uh, analysis of Paris Sultan's dream, Luciana Pavarotti, Michael Douglas, Kate Moss, Kurt Wagner, Brooke Astor. Anyway, she did Between the Scenes on the Movie Channel film Lauren in her home while Nikki Hilton dropped by to have her dream interpreted. And I have followed her all this time, and uh, I would like to welcome her on the show right now. Welcome to the show, Lauren Lawrence. You're live with the Paranormal and the Sacred. Oh, hi. It's very nice to be on again. It's been in, in quite a while. It has. And has so how are, how are you lately? Because uh, you're really on top of things, and uh, you look just gorgeous. I don't know if oh, you guys realize you. Lawrence is a model, and uh, she I has uh, beauty. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> so uh, how have you been? I've been very well, thank you. Uh, it's been a great summer, and I've been uh, very excited about my new book, which is a poetry book, which I'm very, very excited about. I, I've been writing poetry. A lot of people don't know this, but I've been writing poetry for the last 30, 30 years, and so many of the poems have already been published um, in this new little book that I did called Side Effects. Um published in you know the little journals like Columbia Review and Harvard Advocate and you know all of those little um university reviews and magazines that's where people publish poems today and so at least 22 of them have already been published but many of them are new and um very sadly my mother died uh in uh, 2016 and um, Thank you. And it was just, um, you know, dealing with the grief that I started writing again. So a lot of the poems deal with um, that emotion of sadness and grief and loss. And and for anyone going through anything, I think they will really appreciate uh, the book. Uh, it's really quite quite nice. In fact, years ago, I was friendly with Gore Vidal. I'm sure you've heard of him. Of course. Um, Yes, and um, actually I interpreted his dream, which is in the book, um, Private Dreams of Public People, uh, back in 2002. And um, I used to talk to him a lot when he lived in Italy, and um, and he always encouraged me with the poetry. He had read some of them, and he actually said some beautiful things, so I actually was smart enough to write them down, and I have one of them as a as a blurb on the back of the book and um, you know for me it was similar to a dream and I'd like to explain why if I may yes please Um, well see life to me is a series of actions and every action has its reaction its consequence its side effect and so you know it's when when we experience something um, whether it be happiness or pain, or sorrow, or grief, or suffering, or any kind of emotional suffering, um, or joy, or anything like that, um, we have a reaction to it. And that reaction um, is is dealt with when one is writing a poem. It's sort of a memory of something that one experienced, which is very similar to a dream. So that's how I kind of relate it, because it all comes from the creative unconscious, which is in the center um, of the psyche. That's all the creative unconscious there. And all the great art inspirations and all of that comes from that center. Yes, it has. And uh, what is, would you like to read us some of your poetry uh Oh, I could read one, absolutely. Yeah, first yeah, I'd like you. to say... I had a wonderful um, poetry reading at Shakespeare and Company, which is a very old um, bookstore on Lexington Avenue in New York, and it's named after the very famous Shakespeare and Company in Paris. And um, I had a lot of people come, which was wonderful. And uh, the book is available at the bookshop, also on their website, which is which is um, Shake and Co. So it's just www.shakeandco.com, and it's also available on Amazon. But um, 
I would definitely like to read something. Let me, if you wait just a moment, I'll get the book. I don't have it right next to me. Yeah, Hold on one second. All righty. And uh, I have been following Lauren for a very long time, and since she was on Celebrity Nightmare Dakotas and even before that. And uh, she is not only just, like, analyzes dreams, she has really understand the workings of the brain, and uh, she's very good at it. Okay, go ahead and... Yeah, I have it now, and I'm just looking for the one that I'd like to do. It's a very interesting one. Um, I live, you know, in Manhattan, um, across the street from Ralph Lauren, um, you know, the big mansion, and he was building, there are two of them on either corner, and one has been there since the early, I think the late 1890s or something like that, and the other one um, was just not very attractive to look at and he, you know, raised it to the ground and built another one and of course the noise was was great and I would look out my window from time to time to see the progress they were making. And so I wrote this little poem about that. It's called Building Ralph Lauren's Mansion on Madison Avenue. Smoke spills from the machine's mouths like gossip at the water cooler. When there are pulleys and weights involved in the lifting, something enormous hangs in the balance. Bricks align in a cohesiveness that will stand. At the end of the day, I am not the only one who depends on support beams and labors to rise in the world. I love that. Thank you. That's that's one. There's another one you might like called Dorothy, which was based on the character in The Wizard of Oz? Yes, please. Shall I read that? Okay. Yes, I think my audience would love it. Yeah, just call Dorothy. Okay. The rutted straw man lacked a brain. He was promised corn, a deconstructed husk from a stalk. Words pecked like his worst enemy until he led you to a heartless man with a silver lining a lion holding his tail like a parental hand of deficiency. The witch's broom bristled, swept its symptoms under the rug. Courage mounted its resistance. Brains grew in cerebral gardens. Hearts banged for acolytes. If only there were time to interpret the thousand red poppies you had to sleep with to cross to find your way home. That's wonderful. That's you know that's mm-hmm. very. Both of those poems have uh, a deep meaning to it. Mm-hmm. And what, when you were writing it, um, what were you what were you thinking about when you were doing this? Well, I've always loved The Wizard of Oz. I always found the characters were just incredible. In fact, sometimes I thought of them as, you know, the ego, the id, the super ego, and then you had someone else masterful looking over everything and it was there was just so much um so much that could be psychoanalyzed that I was always intrigued and you know it just looked you know it was something that always stuck in my mind and Dorothy was always such a loved character and I always wondered why I'm always the person who wonders why about things like this mm-hmm. and um you know, I just thought it, it was something that I needed to write about, and so I did. I just I find it amazing, and that uh, you have so many skills and talents, and um, it's uh, how in the creative process um, do you struggle at all, or does it just flow when you start uh, doing this poetry? That's an excellent question because, you know, my husband writes as well, and he, he just sits down and it flows, but not me. We're, we're totally different like that. If for me, I cannot just sit down and just let it come out. That's not the way I write at all. Um, I have to first feel something in in my heart, in my mind, and I have to walk around with it for a while until it sort of gels and then I sit at the computer and I and I I write out a few sentences and then I'll walk away and then I'll come back to it a couple of days later. So for me, it's a very lengthy pro- process. It's not something very quick at all. 
and it's something yeah. that, you know and it's something that has to be right it has to flow correctly so i'm very very critical i'm i'm very self critical over anything i do even i've been known to rewrite poems that have already been published by top magazines <laughs> because when i looked at it i i said oh gosh i should have done this so if i'm a, i'm a perfectionist in that way and so everything has to be perfect and um you know that's just my style so it it is something that is um a difficult process for me it's not something natural certain people are natural like that i'm not maybe one line can come out yes uh but not the whole poem so it's a uh, it's a intense process for you and i have yes. just never heard of anybody uh rewriting it after it was already published but uh yes. I understand it because uh, I do art, and when I do it, sometimes mm-hmm. I have to learn when I walk away, it's enough. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's when the actual, like, if I'm this one, using a pastel pencil, things like that, that I have to stop when the color is actually starting to chip off because I put so many mm-hmm. layers on it. You know, mm-hmm. then you know it's time to walk away. Yes, yes, that's interesting. I like that analogy of the colors chipping off. That's very good. That's very poetic. <laughs> oh, thank you. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, I didn't know that you wrote poetry or anything, and I, I do remember, especially during my teenage years and 20s, that I did write a lot of uh, poetry. and mm. uh, But mostly it was like... Uh, you know, yours are, I can tell you've worked on them and honed them and uh, made them, a, you know, really a working poem and stuff like that. Mine would be coming, yeah. you know, if I met a boyfriend and, um, yeah. you know, I was mad or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know where all that stuff is, but I just hope, you know, I can get rid of it before I pass away. <laughs> <laughs> That's very funny. Anyway. You know, because you know you keep stuff, and then you realize, man, I don't want that around anywhere. But that's uh, so true. You know, it's uh, you know you have a, a full life and uh, family and everything, and uh, you're very active in the, uh, the social center of uh, New York, right there. And uh, you're very fortunate and blessed. You know, on oh, this earth. Oh, thank I you. Think. Yes, I, I do feel blessed. I feel grateful for everything that I have and everything that I've been given. And I just feel that, you know, one should always give back and try to do good. And trying to do good is so much infinitely better than trying to do bad. I mean, it's just, you know, if more people realized that, I think we'd have a much better world. Definitely. And when you you feel that you help someone, you walk away with such an incredible feeling. You know, I've I've chaired this um, charity several years in a row with two other ladies. It's the Samuel Waxman Cancer Research Foundation Fashion Show Luncheon. And it all goes to the foundation, which is a very cutting-edge cancer research uh, charity um, located at uh, Mount Sinai, uh, the hospital in, in New York. And um, so the other year I brought in Oscar de la Renta, and so all these ladies are having lunch while they're watching a wonderful private fashion show of all of Oscar de la Renta's newest designs. And this last year I brought in Caroline Herrera. So it was very wonderful because we had um, about 100 women, women came and we made, you know, raised a lot of money. So it was, it was very uh, worthwhile and I intend to do it again next year, next May. That just sounds very exciting, and I've been following yeah. you on Facebook. And uh, mm-hmm. do you want to tell people that they can find you on Facebook and then follow uh, some of your uh, things that you're involved in? Because you do oh, a lot sure. of good work. Thank you. Well, um, well, Facebook right now they can certainly follow me, but I'm still I have five thousand friends, and I can't take on more than that. But certainly. Uh, they can certainly follow me on Instagram as well. Um, uh, I do a lot of Instagram lately as well. I like I like it uh, very much. I like the way you can just spread a picture open. You don't have to tap it or anything like you do on Facebook. It's much easier, I think. And um, lately, I've been I've been putting some videos up of um, 
like TV appearances. Of course, you can only do up to, I think, 40 seconds, but um, I never knew how to really do it. So someone told me, and they're not really good because I would have, you know, cut them at different places, but, you know, I'm just learning. I don't have anyone doing yeah. it for me. So um, I, I'm, I'm going to post um, something actually uh, tonight, uh, which will be up tomorrow. I'm going to post a little um, bit of my TV show, Celebrity Nightmares Decoded, uh, which was such a fasc- fascinating show. I'm just so sorry it only had one season. But it was so exciting because all of the dreams were visualized. So, it was. Uh, it was incredible. I, I loved that show. Yeah. I do not know Thank why you. it was only one season. I don't get it. Well, yeah. Well, well, it was only one season because the the production company only was was given money to hand in eight or ten shows, and they only handed in five. So they left the network with a lot of empty airspace, which has to be booked. And that's the reason um, they they claimed it was a more expensive show and could only do this amount. When you know, I don't know if that's really true. And that's what that's that that's what happened. That's why the network, I guess, got annoyed with the production company, and that's why only one season. So it was really very disappointing because, on the one hand, it was it was such a gift to be able to do that. And on the other hand, it was such quality TV. You know, it really yeah. had content. And to take that off the air, you know, when they leave on these other kind of silly shows, it's just amazing. So it was very upsetting. But, you know, again, I'm very grateful that I had the experience of at least having having the show for one season. Yeah. Do you think that there would ever be anything else in the making like that? or? Well, I hope so. You know, it, I'd have to... In other words, this was, I didn't even know anyone there, but when I was hired at the Daily News, there was this incredible editor-in-chief of the paper, Martin Dunn, a British fellow, and he was just so wonderful. And he said while he was hiring me, um, he said, well, of course I'm going to give you a column, um, but I think you should have a TV show as well. Would you like one? And, of course, no one really asks you something like that. So, you know, I was just thrilled, you know. And he said, can I take your books? I know these guys downtown. They have a production company, and I think they'd be very interested in meeting you and seeing if there's a show there. So I went down and had the meeting, and they looked at my books and everything. And then the following week, they set up a meeting at A&E, um, you know, the network, and biography was a division then of A&E. I don't even think it exists anymore. I think it's gone. But um, A&E was the parent company, and I sat in a room with a lot of people, and they were asking me questions, and within 15 minutes, you know, they said, okay, and um, a lady walked me to the door, and she put both hands on, on my shoulders, and she said, congratulations, you have a show. So, you know, for uh- me, it was... It was just very, very easy, and and you know I, I don't know how I could ever get that back again because I don't know anyone who, you know, who is at a production company. It would it has to come from the production company, and they're the ones that pitch it to the network, and they always have relationships with the network, and that's the only way I could get a show. But I don't know any of those people. Uh, this was just as I yeah. said, it was just sort of handed to me. So I would love. Certainly, I would love another show. And, you know, I do feel that there's a good possibility that I may have one. It just, you know, if Lady Luck is with us, then <laughs> if yes. the universe is with us, then uh, then I will have one. You know, and that's, you can, that's they can really just film you and have people come to your house, and they could film you right there. Well, that would be a show, too. Yes, exactly. You know what I mean? It would yeah. be uh, beautiful. You have a beautiful home, and... It would Thank be, uh, I really love those shows when they have the close-up to people and, you know, they, they're just yeah. talking back and forth. And, and your analysis and the way you speak with people is just so fascinating. And I, I really do miss that show. I oh, uh, have never you. forgotten about it. You know, and I, I watch, oh, you can watch you. it on YouTube, you know, for the listeners. You can actually catch some stuff on YouTube and uh, you start really? looking around. What? Oh, yes. I didn't even know that. Well, you get a, you have to do like searches, and uh, yeah. you'll find it, everything. You know, I and think, oh, that's um, wonderful. 
I'll have to try that. I didn't even know. Yes, yeah, so try looking for it, and uh, things switch around. Uh, mm-hmm. Because sometimes, let's say, they'll take it off and they'll put it back on, and people mm-hmm. that are interested will watch it. But this, uh, I'm, I'm wondering, too, uh, you, your other, your, this book and your other books are available on um, Amazon. And yeah. uh, your, uh, your, your book, of course, my favorite, The Private Dreams of Public People. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many times I read it and reread uh-huh. it. And it's actually a Thank beautiful you. book. It's, a, it's, like, it's kind of like a, big enough to be a coffee table book. And that's where my oh, book is. Oh, it is a coffee table. It is a coffee yeah, okay. table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, it so was published why. actually by Asseline. And Asseline is a French company, and they make beautiful books. They're known for their coffee table books, and they're all very beautifully done. They are. Well, well, mm-hmm. That's true. Good. It's uh, Okay, do you have something from that book that um, all of the stories are very fascinating, but mm-hmm. do you have one that you would like to share with us that would talk to about how you came to a conclusion, an analysis of a dream of one of your celebrities? Oh, well, I can tell you right now why I, I did Celebrity Dreams, because I... I wanted to know if what one does in life is reflected in the psyche. So the book, I actually um, interpreted the dreams of people from every walk of fame, uh, people who are well-known from every walk of fame. So that's the celebrity element. So not just actors and, and actresses and comedians and you know drama people um, who are dramatic actors, but I also did directors photographers, models, um, I did an astronaut, you know, writers, you know, things like that. And um, so I, I, it is interesting because I did find that, um, that there is a correlation between what one does in life and uh, the dream. Fascinating. It really yeah, is. So that, that was the idea that came to me. And again, these, these ideas to me, I think, and of course with you and your show being so spiritual as you are, I really do feel that um, it comes from God. You know, I'm, I was inspired to do these. Often I awaken with, with different thoughts, and I, I just know that it's God-given. Yes, uh, the same for me, and, and that sometimes... Uh, during dreams, I am actually given a gift of an idea or mm. a solution, or uh, I'm mm. very uh, dream active. Mm. Oh, well, you should give me one of your dreams, and I'll, I'll write it up for the paper. You should email it okay, to the website. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that has, well, that has a different... Submit it yeah, because that, I have yeah, you have to write it down, though. I always tell people to keep a pen and paper by the bedside. So um, the moment you have the dream... Uh, you have to lie still, keep your eyes closed, and just try to remember as much of it as possible. And then then immediately write it down. Because even if you know it so well, by the time you go back to sleep and then you awaken again, you're going to forget it. That's just what happens. It gets sucked back into the world of the unconscious, and you just don't get it again. Yes. You lose that memory. Uh, you're absolutely uh, right. We're supposed to keep a journal by our bed, and yes. all of us are supposed to be writing and because the content is very important. The dream mm-hmm. time, let's say the Aboriginal have a dream time, and they mm-hmm. believe that's also part of your life. It's your uh, your nightlife where, oh, where you're in the dream time. And Absolutely. I kind of believe that. Oh, we sleep one-third of our life away, and so it's very important to know what you know what those dreams are. And for, and for people who sleep eight hours a day, that's one third of our life. We have many, many, many dreams, and you know, sometimes three hundred thousand in a normal lifespan. I think it is, and um, you know, it's very important to know what those dreams are telling us. Uh, actually, it's working through. That's what it's doing. The brain needs that time. It's a very active process, actually, rather than a passive process. And um, it's like a computer. It's it's cleaning the files. It's working through um, challenging situations, anxieties, worries, fears, um, regrets, all of that. And um, 
It's cleaning up the files. That's what it's doing. When you when you dream, you are downloading a file, and when you interpret it, you're opening that file. And that's that's kind of how I see it. Um, Lauren, I I believe that I've had predictive dreams. I think we've talked about this before, but mm-hmm. um, I know there has been some, some interesting ones that I've heard. In particular, I was thinking about Princess Diana. They had. Uh, mm-hmm. Her children were on talking about her recently and the, mm-hmm. the uh, anniversary of her death and everything. Mm-hmm. And there was mm-hmm. a prediction of uh, Princess of Wales' death. Would you like to talk to us about that? And well, um, I know that I that one of her sons, I believe the younger son, had a Harry? very fri- frightening dream. I'm sorry. Isn't that Harry? Yes, Harry. He yes. had a very fr- frightening dream that he w- felt the weight of the crown, that he was wearing the crown. And and that really scared him, and he awakened in horror uh, because, you know, he he's not next in line. Um, you know, his brother would be. Uh, and he uh, he was wearing the crown, so that's a very strange dream right there. Um, I don't... I know that Diana had um, thoughts that she would be killed, um, and she said they would do it by car, by a car crash. That's well known. She's written that in her diary, and she's told many people. And the interesting thing is that my my friend, my great friend, Sohia Khashoggi, um, she's the aunt of Dodi Fayed, and I had a very strange thing happen to me um, um, on the day of her death, well, hours before her death, I had Pierre Salinger call me. Pierre Salinger, for those who don't know, was President John F. Kennedy's press secretary back in 1960 to 1963. And um, he was an old friend of mine, and I had wanted a dream of his. Pierre was very um, psychic, and he had had dreams that predicted um, the results. Uh, Anyway, he called me up... um, August 30th, um, 1997, at 2 in the afternoon. And he said, Lauren, I'm ready to tell you the dream uh, that I had. I said, okay. So I'm getting my pad my pencil. And he starts telling me that the dream had no visual, had no imagery whatsoever. It was only audio. And that's very, very scary. When when you have just the audio, you have to really pay attention to what's being said because often um, prophetic dreams are like that. And uh, you have to really listen. It's like some, someone's trying to tell you something. So he heard the words, Pierre, you must be aware that the worst terrorist attack will occur in Paris in August in the last week. And it almost sounded biblical the way the words came out. And um, and I said, Pierre, you're really frightening me. I hope nothing terrible happens because we are in the last week. This is August 30th, two in two in the afternoon, and um, that would be uh, eight in eight in uh, at night in Paris if you, if you, if you do the uh, the time difference. And um, he said, oh, don't worry about it. I had it a couple of weeks ago. I said, yeah, but you're telling it to me now, and I'm very concerned, and I hope nothing terrible happens. So anyway, I get off the phone, <clears throat> and I interpret his dream. And then I have, as I said, this friend who is Sohia Khashoggi, and I could have faxed her over. She had wanted to see one of my dreams because she's a writer, and she had wanted to be in the literary dreamer section of the book, unfortunately, uh, she wasn't. Um, that was not my choice. That was the publisher's choice. But in any event, um, she was in one of, in my little books, you know, the um, the Dream Keys books. But yeah. um, but in any event, <clears throat> um, this particular book, um, you know, the, Pierre's dream. I faxed it over to her. She said she wanted to see one of my dreams, uh, an example. Now I could have faxed her over Madonna's dream or. Michael Douglas or Kate Moss or any of those people, but for some reason I just chose to fax her over Pierre's dream. So she that was at four o'clock, which is ten o'clock Paris time, and she calls me up at four thirty, which is ten thirty Paris time, 
Now, mind you, that's just two hours, two hours before Princess Diana's terrible crash. That was the 31st of August, 12.30 in the morning. So this is 10.30 at night, August 30th. And she called me up, and she said, Lauren, that's the scariest thing. I hope nothing terrible happens. And, of course, two hours later, Princess Diana is dead, along with her nephew, Dodie Fayed. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was the craziest thing that ever happened to me because I was the intermediary. You know, Pierre gave me the dream. I gave it to her. So she was meant to know. Of course, uh, Mohammed Fayed was then told, and... To this day, they all think that she was offed, as they would say in in Britain, you know, and in England they would say, you know, she was offed, meaning she was murdered. And, um, I mean, his dream really says the same, and Pierre really was so shocked after this happened. I mean, both of them were shocked, and I got phone calls from both of them, and it was just... uh, it was it was really quite quite upsetting and quite crazy, but um, that you know I don't know how he he got that dream, but he did. So it's someone just, wanted. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, it's chilling. You know, it gives me the uh, chills. Yes, it is. That, uh, yes, uh, it is. It, it hurt. You know that I cried all day when I heard oh, it. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, it hurts. It, it just it, not hurt. You know, I think yeah. she was in our hearts that. We always yes. wanted the best for her worldwide. Everybody just loved yes. her. Yeah. She was so there was a gentleness and a sincerity in her that reached out to everyone. I think she touched everyone. I really do. There was something genuine about her, you know, and no one ha- has ever seen that from the royal family, and 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 you could just see her suffering. She wore it on her face and. Um, she was such a good person, and yeah, it was, she just affected every single person. And I was, I was actually up because I stay up late, so I was up and I saw it live. I mean, happening, you know, right there on the news when they were running it. It was just the most frightening thing. Um, it was just terribly upsetting. Um, but um, and the, and interestingly, I would have been able to interpret one of her dreams because. My friend Sahel Khashoggi had told Dodi Fayed about me, and he had told Princess Diana, and she said, "Oh, I'd love to meet her. I'd love her to do one of my dreams." So oh. I lost, I lost that, <laughs> and yeah. um, because she loved those those things, you know, she was very into that, and um, yeah, it was just a terrible, terrible terrible moment in in time which they repeat from time to time and each time I get the same chills and sense of sorrow and grief. Yeah. And um how does how was his aunt after that and the family on um Dodie's side? Oh, they were they were just destroyed. I mean Mohammed Fayed lost his favorite son. I mean it was just awful. I don't think he'll ever recover from that. You know, yeah, I don't. Never, no. You don't. When you really, lose a child like that, no. No parent wants to outlive their children. You know, that's a terrible thing. But the way it happened, and, you know, he apparently had proposed to her and given her a ring that night. And yeah. a lot of people even think that she was pregnant at the time. So, you know, it's it's just a um, I, I remember mystery. Well, terrible. It's, uh, it's uh, someday. I think that we'll all know, you know, everything. And I, I know that she doesn't suffer anymore, you know, and mm-hmm. she's happy in heaven. And you know, I mm-hmm. believe that as we we go on. And uh, yes, of course. Yes, and, and the, well, I would like to, no. I would, I would like to say that I do believe that that there is really no death because the spirit is energy. And energy cannot be destroyed. I mean, that's a scientific fact. So energy lives on. And I do believe that the spirit of of the dead are all around. The reason why we can't see them is because they're either faster or slower in terms of time. And that's why in dreams, many times we do have these what I call love visitations, where the deceased really do come back and talk to us or we say things to them and there is this continued communication. The reason for that is because 
when you dream, there is no sense of time. There's that's no right. time and space. And, yeah, that's the only place where there's no sense of time. And so when you take away the restriction of time, the, the spirit energy can enter. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you that, which is strange, because I was trying to, I was going to ask you about uh, dreams that connect us to the departed. And yes. um, I have had, uh, three years after my father died, he did mm-hmm. come to me in a dream. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of shocked, and he was young again. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. he had lost his leg during his lifetime, but he was young. And my dad was really dazzling uh, when he was a young man. And uh, mm-hmm. he was that way again. And he came mm-hmm. and made total... We, I never thought this was possible, that once somebody is gone, then you can forgive them later, or you can mm-hmm. actually mend a relationship. But he told me, he was going to make it up to me, everything up to me, and that he was sorry. And we oh. actually made up during the dream. And oh. um, it was a real healing that took place. I mean, any pain sure. that he left that night. Mm-hmm. And I believe he was really there talking to me. I don't know Absolutely. what the rules are, but this took like three years for any dream to show up about him at all. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that, you know, I don't know the reason why in terms of time, uh, why it takes long. It might be that you are not in the right place, you know, to receive him because you are the receiver. Um, and But, you know, everything works for a reason, and I think that that was the perfect time for that kind of connection. Yes. So, um But what a great book, healing experience. It was, yeah. It's just unbelievable. Like, I never... Mm-hmm. I don't need, I didn't, I guess, before this happened, I didn't know what the rules were on this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what are, do we have rules in the spiritual world? Is there, is there like a formula or something? I don't know what I was thinking, but when mm-hmm. this happened, it was quite profound. I could mm-hmm. actually feel him in the room when I woke up. It was like, almost of like course. you pop a bottle, you pop a bottle of champagne and it's kind of fuzzy in the air. It was like yeah. that. Yes, you know? I know what you mean, yes. Well, I had a friend, a dear friend of mine who who uh, is deceased now, who died in uh, right around the time of Princess Diana, 1997, and um, and I know that his spirit came to me um, within the first 40 days though of his death. But he was a very spiritual person, and if anyone could could uh, do could reach, you know, the living, it would be it would be him. <laughs> And I know for sure that he was there, but it, I, it wasn't so much as seeing him, but feeling in my mind. My mind knew, even though it was dark, I was, you know, ready to go to sleep, and I just sensed his presence. Happened two nights in a row, and the second time I sort of opened my eyes to see if I could see anything, and it was sort of what you just said about like that champagne bubbles. There was something. Um, mm-hmm. I saw it kind of like if you hold a cup of coffee. You know, you see the heat rising, and between yeah. behind that, everything's sort of wiggly. You know, uh, from yeah. from the heat when you when you're sort of looking through heat, you don't see the what's behind it straight. It, it sort of becomes wavy, and that's kind of what I saw, kind of like this waviness. Um, and uh, I just knew that, that was he, and I knew when when he departed, I knew when he left. You know, it was just a strange thing. And I managed to say, God bless you, you know. and But it was very hard because it was very frightening at the same time. Yes, because uh, when this is happening, we don't have like a, a filter that we carry around with us all day. You know, this mm-hmm. uh, this reaches in somewhere where uh, it's direct uh, understanding and feeling and knowledge. Mm-hmm, Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen all the time and it doesn't happen to all the people. It is a rarefied event. <clears throat> but when, <clears throat> excuse me, but when it does happen, it's just glorious and it does make one <clears throat> understand that there is no such thing really as death. That the body is just a shell and the spirit lives on. Because the spirit is love when you think about it. And love love never dies. And the spirit was put there by God. And so, you know, that, that lives. 
There's nothing to hold it back. That's what I told my children. I said, you know, everybody passes. And I said, when I pass, I'm going to still love you and I'm going to still uh, pray for you and uh, Mm -hmm. I'll never leave you. And, you know, they really kind of helped them and my grandkids, you know, for me to say that. Because I told them, yeah, because I don't want them to, to, because I've had like a a life after death experience and um, Mm -hmm. Yvonne, we love them. Yeah, I had Mm -hmm. a... I didn't know that, I, you know, I did, I found out recently, you know, I have a defect in my heart, but I've always known it since I was a kid, but mm-hmm. now I, I saw it on that, they put me on a machine. But anyway, uh, so I was about 24 or 25, I, I died in my sleep. Mm-hmm. I, I know really? that I did, because I turned around and I looked at myself, mm-hmm. and I was quite shocked about, because people always thought I looked younger than I am, and uh, I looked at myself, I went, why you look young, and... I like your hair. When that's it, it's kind of like you're detached from any pain of this world. And so you can mm-hmm. observe. You know, then I went and looked at my kids, and I felt love for them and protection. And mm-hmm. then I was in the like a faster than a bullet going up to heaven. You know, and it's only mm-hmm. when I started thinking, "What about my kids?" that I came back. But well, do you I have, felt do you have ap- sleep apnea? I think I do. I'm going. Oh, I'm right now to the. Because sleep apnea, your heart does stop, and normally you awaken yourself, and that's why people who have it are often very tired during the day because they're, you know, they're literally, their heart is stopping in the middle of the night many times sometimes, and uh, so they're interrupting their sleep. But so when the heart stops, that is a kind of death. So that's probably when that happened to you. Yeah, that's when I realized that that Mm -hmm. we don't, our energy goes back into the universe. It doesn't mm-hmm. go anywhere. I mean, you, you feel love for your loved ones and all that, mm-hmm. but you're not connected. There's a certain pain we carry in this world, and that's not there mm-hmm. when, yes. once you go to the other side. You yes, know, you care, true. you love, because there's but no, you're not well, feeling the burden. There's, because there's no ego. Yes. Okay. You know, when you're living, there's an ego, but when you die, that's there's no ego. <laughs> It's it's something it's it's just pure spirit, which is so different. And, it is. Um, it's, it's felt mm-hmm. it. I think it gives you hope forever. You know, you never let go or fear death. I mean, I fear the way to go. I don't want to go a certain way. You know, mm-hmm. but I don't fear sure. leaving. Right. Yeah, I, right. I don't want to be in a lot of pain, but you know, right. um, is there, has there been? Um, you know, there's something that that uh, I love this uh, song by Andy. Gib, um, mm-hmm. it's about Arrow in the Heart, and um, the song was about that he was too young to die, and that um, that always kind of grieved me, and sometimes when I'm sad, I play that song again, but then in mm-hmm. your book, uh, you said Victoria Principal had a dream visitation from Andy Gibb. Yeah, yeah, she did, yeah. Yeah, she did. Well, you know, they had broken up, and they were not in a good place, and the dream repaired all that. It was, you know, it was a way uh, to work through all of the pain and the suffering of that relationship and come to some kind of peaceful, loving understanding. So she awakened in a much better place. That's just what we're talking about. I I, I read it, and I'm just realizing now that we're talking about it, is that mm-hmm. it's there is hope for even making up after death or um, making amends and healing relationships. Mm-hmm. It's kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's because that's the closer one can get to perfection is, you know, is the purpose of, of life. And working things through and, you know, getting rid of stress and anxieties brings us closer to that kind of perfection where there is no pain or suffering. There is just a pure goodness and a spirit and energy, you know, only thinking of selflessly, thinking of others and doing good. And it's not so much of a self-involvement as we have here on in the living. Yeah, we sure are wrapped up in it and everybody was so argumentative mm-hmm. lately and you know, people are angry out there. We have to remember 
but there's a there's a, is a spot of peace and happiness and joy, and we can try to find that in a spiritual way well, here. To your point, uh, you know there is good and there is evil, and that I'm I'm sure we all know, and we have seen a lot of of evil raising its ugly head in the last few years. And then, of course, we've seen a lot of good also combating that evil, but it's still going on. And there are some very dangerous people in this world. Um, I don't know if I should mention one of them on the air, but <laughs> in yeah. my opinion, we he's, can one say what we worst, want. he's one of the worst people in the world. And he was, well, I'll give you a hint, he was thrown out of England for breaking the Bank of England by shorting the pound. Uh, he wow. can never go back to England again. I'm talking about George Soros, and he is... Yes, wow. People call him the puppet master. He's a very evil man. I look at him as the emperor, and you know, in Star Wars, and he kind of looks like that as well. Just throw a cloak on him, and there you have it. And um, he's been manipulating and paying for all of these uh, activists, all of these obstructionists, and mm-hmm. uh, and nobody is doing anything. Nobody is, is doing anything to uh, to counter that. He should he should have been in jail a long time ago for all the things that he's done. He's a wretched man. It's and, horrible. Uh, mm-hmm. You know what motivates uh, people like that? Is it greed? Is it power? No, he what, what, he's God. What? No, he he has a God complex. Yeah. He think, he's written about it himself in his own books. Uh, he thinks he's God. He's a mega mega maniacal and. Um, you know he is a billionaire, and he thinks that he's, he can run the the country or the world. Yeah, the world. I'm you know, exactly right. Just yeah. think, just think of these people. They're such wretches. You know, I just picture them working all night on evil and doing yes. overtime, doing bad, well, and I see them hunched yeah. over their books. They're like what the? <laughs> I, I don't get it. How, how is your life enjoyable? Yeah. Well, because these people are from the other side. They, they, I yes. do always believe in opposites. That's why we have a up, we have down, we have hot, we have cold, dark, light, whatever. And we have good and bad. I definitely see that. And I think that there has to be that because if everyone was good, there'd be nothing to measure it against and there would be no challenge. But the fact that there mm. are these two sides, then you know you know who's who. And... um you know, he's one of the worst people around. And the interesting thing is, his, you know, it's called the shadow party. Well, of course, shadow. Wow. Because it is yes. in the shadow. And that, that perfectly explains who he is. And all the people that gravitate around him are all equally evil. It's, the, and, these people are so wretched that you really have to avoid mm-hmm. even physical proximity to them. Because they're like poison. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're wow. trying to destroy trying to destroy the world. And to what end? They're destroying themselves. It's just so peculiar. Yeah, I understand. But at that point, you know, if the world did come to this kind of crisis, he he himself would be fine with all his money and his protection, and he'd feel like he's the, the head of the world. And this is what he wants. He wants that extreme power. Just now, this is a man. This is a man who went. He he was Jewish when he was born, and then his parents converted, and he had some kind of Christian man walking around with him. Um, and I use the word Christian lightly uh, during uh, the uh, Nazi, you know, the the Holocaust. And yeah. um, he went around with him, pointing out all of his Jewish friends. Oh, this is where they live. This is where they live, and confiscating the furniture and taking the people away and putting them into yeah. trains, taking them to Auschwitz. And, you know, he's, he wrote about that in his book, so he was interviewed. Um, I think it was Mike Wallace was interviewing him, and I think this was maybe 10, 12 years ago. And he said, well, you know, uh, Mr. Soros, certainly looking back, you must feel great guilt over what you did. And he said, oh, on the contrary, that was the best time of my life because I felt mm-hmm. I felt all-powerful. I felt like I was God, like I could say who lived and who died. This is what wow. this man said on the air. This is chilling to me because... Mm-hmm. Uh, chilling. Mm-hmm. Hearing, hearing at the mouth of the devil, really, to me. Well, yes, you know, yes, yes, the way absolutely. They want absolutely. annihilation. 
and everybody to suffer, and mm-hmm. he's the walking, talking, live one on Earth. It's uh, mm-hmm. horrible. Mm-hmm. Very bad, man. Scary. Very scary. Yeah. Very scary. I want to thank well, you that's... for telling us that, too, because we, we need to be warned, and people are just stumbling along, and yeah. I don't understand why they aren't thinking this out more. You know, and well, uh, well, again, a, a lot of the media uh, is very bad. Uh, a lot of the media... Yeah. Um, is you know just what it, what it, they're being called fake news that is absolutely happening, and we need to be aware of it. And anyone who believes it is is really um, uh, going to be hurt in the end. And um, I strongly advise everyone to read a book called Witness. It was written in 1970 by Whitaker Chambers. And everything you need to know is in that book. He was he took about prophetic. He was very prophetic because he said that there were all of these bad people in America, and America was far too lackadaisical and was not weeding them out. And if they didn't do so by the year 2000, America would be a changed country. Can you imagine? And he died in 1970. And um, it's fascinating. It's really a fascinating book, beautifully written. And Thank I you strongly, for that. Yeah, I strongly advise everyone to read that book, Witness. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get that. I was uh, actually mm-hmm. just going to ask you, what's the antidote for this? What What do we have to practice praying. on our side? Praying. Yeah. A lot of praying. Mm-hmm. I totally I don't agree know if with you, you. I don't know if you heard what Franklin Graham just prayed for. No, I didn't hear it. Yeah. Did you tell us? The other day. He prayed, well, he prayed for um, the mouths to be shut of those people who say bad things against our president. Yes. Which I thought was really a great prayer, just the way he said it. Well, I'm Greek mm-hmm. Orthodox, and in my church, uh, yeah. we were taught to pray for our president and that mm-hmm. people are put there for a reason. We may not mm-hmm. like it, or we may like it. Whatever the reason is, there's something uh, more at stake than we realize. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So Do you speak Greek? Not much. You said you're Greek. Oh, because I speak Greek. Oh, <laughs> you do? You said Greek. I do. Yeah, I, <laughs> I said I, I went to school to learn Greek. Yeah, it's a oh, wonderful I, language. Well, what happened is, you know, my mother's from Poughkeepsie, New York, and all mm-hmm. of our, uh, uh, my grandparents on that side all came, immigrated from Greece and ended up in uh, the Bronx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. so <laughs> we were uh, we were over there, and see, I left when I was a little, so I can do Greek baby talk, and that is it. <laughs> So I was so upset with my mother for taking me away from this big, loving family. I mean, my grandparents oh. had nine kids. You know, wow. so I've been in California since 65, mm. so uh, I've forgotten a lot. I do go to the church. I understand some of the liturgy and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I think you. I think it's the amazing language, that you learn Greek. Yeah, the language is wonderful. It's a, it's a fabulous language. Well, of course, because it's all syllogism. And, yes. you know... That's like a, you know, that's that's the best kind of language there is. You know, everything is what it is. You know, when you say iso means equal, yo means earth. So iso yo is equal to the earth, and that that's the word for lobby in Greek. Yeah. And then ipo is under. So ipo yo is basement, which is under the earth. So I mean, it's logical. You know, it is it, very it, logical. It's a beautiful it, it, language. Yeah. Because they put words uh-huh. together that have meaning. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah what I, that's what I really loved about it. Yeah, The Greek language is very beautiful. And of mm-hmm. course, Greeks love everything Greek. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. There's, there's some great people. And my family was big and large. And now all the folks from World War II are almost all gone, you know, mm-hmm. on both sides. Sure, but so uh, God yeah. does so. But they're not gone; they're just on to the other side. Exactly. So, anyway, let's get back to. Um, okay, so you're having any? Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Locally, uh, 
about your book side effects? Are are you going to be anywhere for another reading? And what's coming up well, next? Well, I'm for hoping. You? Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping to do another reading. Um, I haven't found out yet, but I've been asked by the boutique, the actual Caroline Herrera boutique on Madison Avenue, and also the Oscar de la Renta boutique on Madison Avenue. So I don't know when that will be, and I hope that it will happen. And then there's also um, the uh, Three West Club um, on 52nd, on 51st Street, which um, has also asked me to speak. And so I don't know when that will be, but it will be within um, you know the next several months. And um, so I'm very excited about that. And uh, so far I haven't gotten anything on TV yet, but I'm hoping to do so. I really uh, look forward to seeing everything. Uh, I really believe in your work and and Thank you as a person, you're just a you're just a Renaissance woman. You're uh, I don't know if people say that very much, but it's uh, that's what oh, you are, okay. and it's just uh, I just see you leaning into all your gifts, and you have many, and uh, you're also grateful for them, and that comes across too in a beautiful way. And uh, I know that you have to go. You have appointments today, and yeah. uh, I want to. Thank you so much for being on the show today, and you're welcome aboard any time. And we fully support you here at the Paranormal and Sacred. And oh, thank uh, you I just so much. So much if you could just put in one more plug that people should go to yes, Amazon, please. Amazon, and just buy side effects because you know poetry is um, the species is dying out. It's an endangered species, and so they'll be they'll be doing charitable work by buying my book because it will be keeping poetry going. So yeah, please do buy the side effects. You put in. The way I found it, because putting your name, it shows up all your other books, but it's not showing side effects. So I put Lauren Lauren yeah. side effects, and it'll go to the book. And exactly. Then, or uh, you can just say side effects and then Lauren Lawrence. So just side yes. effects and then Lauren Lawrence. Otherwise, it goes to medical books on side effects. That's what I found. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I did. I the did best that thing too, is just, so. yeah, just side effects, Lauren Lawrence, and then it comes up. Yeah. So Amazing. it is on Amazon, and yeah, I hope I help a lot of people buy it. And and uh, as I said, it will help people who are going through grief, grieving, you know, the whole grieving process, because a lot of poems are dedicated to my mom. And but then there are a lot of other ones that you know you have universal um, uh, appeal. So uh, I do hope that people support the book. Thank you so much. It's been a delight You're to be on. Welcome. And Thank anytime, you. Lauren. And God bless you in all your endeavors, and we wish you the best of luck in everything. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. Okay, um, I just want to say again, go to uh, Amazon. It's very easy to do, Side Effects by Lauren Lawrence, and get books. Because you remember, you know, we all, I always collected plays, you know, the small book of plays, and also books of poetry. And we should all, all have a collection on our bookshelves of poetry and plays and things like that to celebrate the arts, especially the poetry that helps you spiritually and mentally, and uh, there's nothing like it. So get Side Effects by Lauren Lawrence, and it's available on Amazon, and it's published by Shakespeare and Company, and you can also go to their website and find it there, too. And uh, I wish everybody a very blessed uh, Thursday. It's Thursday here, and uh, across the United States, let's all Keep each other in our prayers and also to uh, step back on the hatred, step back on the arguing. Everybody has a side of who, what they think about our politics and everything else. But you know what? We have us and our side, and uh, which means stay on the spiritual side and not the angry side. And uh, stop arguing with each other because you know what? It doesn't give us permission. I noticed on faith people are really tearing each other up. And so I'm asking everybody to remember who you are, and it doesn't matter what side or politics you're on. Remember who you are. You're the one, if you're uh, off fighting with people and saying things we wouldn't ordinarily say to each other, you know, just because you're on different political uh, sides of the thing, it doesn't give you the right to disrespect anybody or anybody's beliefs. If you really do believe in freedom, just let people be free and think what they want. 
And uh, I do believe in a free America, and you're free to vote. You're free to do what what uh, you will without hurting other people. And that's uh, remain polite to each other. And I think we're losing the, the niceties. And and one thing we could do is just remember each other in our prayers and pray for each other. And we all need uh, a help from above and to correct the things that are going on. And uh, I do wish uh, everyone out there the best day you can and the rest of the week and that you get your goals done and uh, that you find the happiness you're seeking. So the paranormal and the sacred is a place where the unheard may be heard and that you can just speak if you would like to speak. Uh, go to the paranormal and the sacred uh, on uh, Facebook and let me know and I will uh, book you if you have something that's within our realm of what we speak about. And uh, God bless you, everybody. May your best dreams come true, and may true love live in your heart. And I I wish you the best of everything. And I want to thank, once again, Lauren Lawrence. Get her book, Side Effects, available on Amazon. God bless you, everybody. Bye.